you know, the pure existential universe. I mean, Marcello Ficino said man is to be the measure of all things. Well, this sounds like old hat in 1990, but in 1480, you know, this was such a dizzying notion uh, that uh, it can hardly be imagined. You know, Giordano Bruno went to the stake, was burned at the stake for insisting that the universe was infinite in all directions. You know, he said, no, the stars and planets go on to infinity. And they just said, you know, this is off the wall. Only a demon could inspire a thought like this. Uh, But the transition that we're asked to make, that was a transition you see from the certitude of dogma to secular existentialism. The transition that we're being asked to make is somewhat similar, but to my mind, deeper, more challenging, more profound. It's the shift from... Uh, scientific certitude, scientific certitude to a complete embracing of non-closure to actually begin. It's a kind of maturity. You know, what we're being asked to do is to grow up and realize that, you know, there ain't no free lunch there aren't always happy endings. Not every story ends with the German shepherd running in and licking grandpa's face and everybody laughing and so forth and so on. You know, hard truths. Uh, and this lack of closure thing, I mean, I feel it in myself. And I assume, you know, that ontogeny recapitulates and so forth. So that, you know, the struggle to become a real um, human being is the struggle to give up having it actually make any sense ultimately where I think it was of all people Robert Frost who said uh, the secret of a happy life is learning to enjoy people you don't approve of (laughs) well you know there's something uh, there's what that means is you're surrendering to life you're just saying you know, it's bigger than I am. I may not like drag queens, but there they are. And I should get used to it. I should make the adjustment. This kind of thing. In other words, uh, recognizing the complexity of the situation. And science has been like a long, centuries-long bender to exercise precisely, exorcise precisely this kind of uncertainty from life and you know to reduce it all to to uh, uh, atoms blindly running under the control of mathematically describable fields of force the problem is um, all the higher order phenomena so, uh, sociological political aesthetic uh, human organizational got shoved off to one side and just sort of festered there for a long time while technology perfected itself, um, mass production, mass media, information transfer. But the human dimension lagged. And now there is this tremendous um, imbalance between like the technological descriptive power of the culture and its moral and ethical power 
to direct itself toward any kind of rational goal. Well, when this happens in a society or even in a personality, you know, you can sort of make a Jungian model of this, you get what's called compensatory phenomena, or at least that's what it used to be called, means eruptions of material from the unconscious that is organized and constellated like a message, like an attention-claiming thing. in a person, in a personality, it ruptures as a symptom. It may be an attention-getting symptom to then bring other people into the caregiving loop or something like that. In a society like our own, a scientific society, it takes the form of, of uh, the irrational, the irrational appearing in strange forms. Uh, a good example of this in the past is the birth of Christianity in the center of uh, the early Middle Roman Empire, uh, where, you know, the people who were administering the world at that time were Romans educated by Greeks who were Epicurean atomists, not Platonists, not followers of Heraclitus or Pythagoras or any of the flashy folks we're into. They were Democritean atomists, rationalists, materialists, would have been very comfortable in a modern uh, chemical engineering company. And they, they could not conceive uh, that the irrational could hold any threat to their world. Meanwhile, they had dark-skinned servants in the kitchens and in the gardens, Jews, Greeks, Phoenicians, people brought from the Eastern Mediterranean. And among these people, specifically the Jews, this rumor began to tear loose about a Galilean politician who had somehow tweaked the Romans and then risen from the dead. Well, any Roman administrator listening to uh, his illiterate cook or gardener babble out this story would just, you know, think, these folks is getting stranger every day. (laughs) But what was actually happening, you know, was a message was being enunciated which within 50 years would be hammering at the gate, well, make it 90 years, would be hammering at the gates of Rome with all the power of an invading army. 